So as always, I'm very excited to be here with you with another episode of the Gentleman's Success, Happiness and Fulfillment Talk with Alex Ramirez. And I have a very special and incredible guest today that I can't wait to deep dive into his story and pick his brain about to, to find out what he has done, to be able to conquer his life, his marriage and his business. So before I actually introduce him really quick, I just want to give, big, give a big shout out to everyone who has been leaving comments and reviews on all the major podcasting platforms, uh, Apple, Google, Pod, uh, Spotify, and to those who have been watching on YouTube as well. Thank you very much. Don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to leave us a comment. And if you like this episode, share it with one person because this is how we grow. This is how we share our message. This is how we motivate and inspire and bless other people. And 99% of you probably won't do this, but the 1% of you who do are the ones who make all the difference. So thank you very much. And let's get started. So today I have James Nielsen Watt. He's CEO of Patient and Profit, which, uh, which teaches health professionals how to run successful businesses so they can create more impact. James is also the author of Healthcare Business Secrets, a step-by-step guide to growing a wildly successful healthcare business. A health professional himself, having practiced in and ran his own healthcare business for a number of years before transitioning into the coaching space. James has been featured in Yahoo Finance, LA, Week- LA Weekly, New York Weekly, and other publications, and has worked with hundreds of healthcare businesses over in 15 countries or in over 15 countries. He's, uh, he's helping them increase the revenue by over $50 million collectively and helping tens of thousands of patients in the process. He's also husband and father of two little boys, and he's crushing it in his life, in his marriage, and in his business. So, James, thank you very much for being here, man. I'm very excited, and welcome. Yeah, dude, I appreciate it. I'm excited. Did I crush the introduction? Yeah, man, nailed it. <laughs> cool. <laughs> man, so um, the first thing that I like to do with my guests as soon as they come in here is put them on the line and tell them to tell, them, tell us a little bit about themselves and describe their entrepreneurial journey in 60 seconds or less. Yeah, man. So I graduated at, uh, I was just about to turn 24 uh, from chiropractic college, uh, five-year degree. um, And I got into business as an associate. It wasn't working very well. The people that I was working for, they, you know, they understood clinical stuff. They just didn't get business. Me and my girlfriend, who's now my wife were there, wasn't working in six months. We were like, look, we're, we're going broke here and we were going to chase these big jobs uh, overseas. And uh, in doing that, we realized, hey, look, we can probably do this ourselves. Now, we were A students. We, we did really well. We're great with clients. We thought, let's just do this ourselves. We ended up buying the practice uh, for a really good deal because it was basically all our clients anyway and took over, tripled it in, in three months. Within eight months, we had a second practice. Within two years, we'd hit a million in revenue uh, all before I turned like 26 or something. And uh, from there, I was making a lot of money. I was busy, but I couldn't live my life. So we went to go traveling and I was stressing out the entire time because this holiday was costing me 10 grand and not working was costing me even more. And so I said something had to change. And so I went through this evolution of how I was running my business. Fast forward to uh, closer to today, um, married, uh, baby on the way, wanted to be at home, said, I can't be in practice, you know, 12 hours a day. I got to do something different. I started teaching people some stuff. I realized that I really loved it. Uh, and I started getting into the coaching space within eight months. Um, I had hit a uh, million dollars a year in revenue uh, in the coaching business. 
within a year and a bit, I'd quit practice. The business was running itself. Fast forward to today, we've done over 3 million uh, in, in revenue. I've helped hundreds of people and I'm in a completely different place. I'm not in practice anymore and I'm loving what I'm doing, but I still have my clinic. So it's still there, still seeing people. I've got a few associates, but I'm, I feel more free. I feel more connected to my family and uh, things are good, man. That's amazing, man. So going back to, you know, you spent five years in getting an education, a formal education, and then I don't know how much time trying to make it work and you weren't able to make it work, which actually ties back to a picture, a, a quote that I read on your profile when I was, uh, you know, thinking a little bit about you, which says this, you just need, you just, so it's a picture, you know, right with, with uh, you're there. And then it says, you just need to stick it out and people will come. Referrals will come, right? So like build it and they will come, right? So you had all this, all this education and, and you got all of this form of education, but like you just need to stick it out and people will come. Referrals will come. So that was not the case, was it? No. So I, I think it's the, I think it's the, I don't know which post you're talking about. Is it the one with the guy with the clown, clown uh, mask on? Is that that one where he puts a clown mask on? It was, it was, it was a satire to the fact that so many health professionals and business owners think that if I'm just really good, uh, I'll get clients and things will be good. The irony is that, of course, you need to stick it out, but like you can't just expect that people will come to you because there's plenty of experts and it's very easy to be an expert. Dude, I spent five years at chiropractic college um, studying intensely. It should have probably been a six-year degree, but we, it was condensed for us. And um, I came out of it and you know, opened my doors. I was like, hey, guys, I can help you. And then I realized that no one cares. And so it's like, you can't rely on just business coming. You've got to go and hustle. But at the same time, uh, and, and the point of that post was, was mocking this idea of just graduating and clients will come. But in reality, it's like, no, you've got to stick it out, of course, but you've got to be pivoting and, and adapting and, and trying to get your message to people. Because yeah, you can't just rely on referrals. Like that's why uh, healthcare practices, especially, but a lot of businesses, they, you know, it's like, it'll just take time to build your business. And it's like, yes and no. Like, yes, it takes time. That, that, that's obvious. But you, it shouldn't be taking time when you're sitting there and waiting. Like Gary Vee talks about this. He says, uh, be patient in the macro, which is your goals. I want to build a million dollar business. That's not going to happen tomorrow, 100%. Got to take time. But in the micro, which is the day-to-day -day hustle, you got to go fast. You got to, you got to go fast. You got to learn. You got to pivot. You got to adapt. So sitting there and with your doors open saying, okay, I'm waiting for the clients to come. Like this is not going to work. It might do in 20 years time, but it's a long time to wait and hope that something's going to happen. And I work with so many people who have done that and, and are still struggling that it's like you, the, the best advice I can give, which is what we did is, is find somebody who's done what you've wanted to do and uh, throw money at them to tell you how to do it or, you know, provide some value so that they'll show you because uh, without learning from other people's mistakes, you're going to spend a long time trying to learn from your own. And uh, yeah, so I hope that explains that a little bit more. Yeah. And then you're like, the second, the second part of that is define that advice is what brought me success. So then yeah, yeah, yeah. how exactly is it that, you know, can you dig a little bit deeper into how exactly you were able to like defy that advice and, you know, well, hundred percent, like, like uh, exactly what I said, I was told it takes seven years to build a practice, James, you know, it takes time to build a business, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, that's true. But I looked at it and I said, well, if time is inevitable, because time is going to have to progress, right? We live in a universe with time. Uh, what can I do 
to speed it up because business success is just clients coming to you and serving those clients and like, you know, right, cost per acquisition, cost of service, and then revenue. And if you add them all together, you get profit and that's your company. So do things to get customers cheaper, have a high lifetime value per customer and have whatever your expenses are to serve it and just balance those three numbers and, and, and you'll win. What do I got to do to get more of them? So I went and said, well, running events is a great way to get clients, but it costs time. So if I'm running events, I can't treat clients so I can't make money. So I've got to get clients that doesn't require me to be spending time so I can spend my time treating clients and uh, making money. So I dive into the world of online marketing and things like that. Like for me, it was just, how do I do it easier? I've always been uh, uh, focused on doing it, doing it easier. I, I'm a work smarter, not harder. You know, if we have to dig holes, I'm not going to use my hands. You know what I mean? I'm going to go walk to the shop, buy an ice cream and a shovel and come back and, and then dig the holes. And if I don't have the money, I'm going to say to my boss, Hey man, can you pay me up front? And I'll go buy a shovel and then I'll go and do it. Like, I'm not going to just bleed from my hands because I'll come back to the work site. You would be three holes deep and, and you're like, oh, bro, you haven't even started on your holes. Look at you. You're an idiot. And I'm like, okay, I'm eating my ice cream. You're five holes deep. And then I get my shovel out and now I'm finished. <laughs> and it's like, oh shit, because I thought about it. There's a great example of this. My, my, uh, I, my grandfather or whatever had been cutting firewood. And then my job was to put it into the box. And my grandmother was there and, uh, and I'm leaning on my, on my knee with one hand and my other hand is thrown in the firewood like this. She's like, James, use two hands. Don't be lazy. And I'm like, grandma, it's not going to make me particularly more efficient at moving the firewood and my back's going to hurt. So I don't really want my back to hurt. So I'm just going to keep doing this. She's like, James, oh, look, do it like this. And she's doing it. And she's slightly faster than me at getting the firewood through, but then she has to stop and stretch it back. And so it actually becomes counterproductive because eventually she can't do it. And I'm like, grandma, I'm, I'm not going to work hard i'm going to work smart but ironically you know i love my grandma but she also thinks that i need to go and get a real job because she doesn't think that what i do is real work and i'm like grandma i'm not going to be a laborer as much as you want to feel like that's real work and there's nothing wrong with that but, but honey and uh i don't have to grandma so, so i'm gonna go and dig holes despite of your success you still get that what you do is not a real it's not real work or, or, or was that just like a like a joke? No, yeah, for sure. She still she still says that. <laughs> she still thinks <laughs> I don't do real work, um, because it, it's just a different way of thinking about things. And you know, my family. Uh, I'm the first to go from high school to university, um, and and to graduate not as an adult. Um, one person, other person had graduated as an adult. Um, you know, I'm the first to be uh, very successful in business, and the first millionaire, and the first of a lot of things. And it's just because I, I did things differently. So there's no, there's no judgment. It's just a different perspective. You know, my, my grandmother uh, came from her, her subculture was you work hard and you save money and you buy a house. And it's like, that might've worked in your day, grandma, but um, there's not many people who are, who are working in, in factories or digging holes that are going to be able to buy a house because the economy's changed. So you got to pivot. And so my hard work is in my head and it's, and it's leveraged you know, uh, whereas she might consider hard work to be what, what you are physically doing. I consider hard work to be doing the thing that produces the best outcomes, not just working for the sake of working. Nice. Nice, man. 
Um, I like that. I like what you said that your hard work is in your head and you leverage that, right? So that's mm-hmm. a lot of people don't understand that. A lot of people don't understand the power of thinking. Right? There's mm-hmm. a quote that I really like, which is, uh, I think it goes like this. 80, 80% of people, no, 5% of people think that they think. Mm-hmm. 80% of people, no, 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 wait. 80% of people think they think. No, 15% of people think that they think. 80% of people um, Five percent of people think. Oh, I don't remember how it goes, man. But basically, it says that people would rather die than think, right? So, look, I think that I think that hard. what people don't what people don't understand with like value creation is that doing is is often the lowest form of value because anyone can do if you're told what to do. Just go and do it. Then you've got like, and again, I'm butchering this, but like, then you've got like people managing, right? Where I'm managing people who are digging. That's, there's more pay in that because I've got to manage the people and there's more production. One person can manage 10. So I'm more productive for the company. Then there is those who's managing like higher management, managing the people who manage the people. Then there's the people who create the ideas that actually do the things. Uh, and you want to be the one who's creating the ideas and then stuff is happening. Tony Robbins has 50 companies or something and manages 17 of them, but he's not there doing stuff like to that extent, he's creating the ideas and then the people go and implement the ideas and, and, it, and it's, it's things like that. Like I read something else. It was like uh, Shaq's rich and, and, and the guy who pays Shaq is wealthy. I think Chris Rock or Dave Chappelle said it in a different context, but um, it, it's like, yeah, you, you, you want to be the one that's, that's creating the value, not implementing on the value. Uh, and that's where people get confused. They think that their their effort is what's valuable. It's like, nah, it's the result that's being produced. And ironically, that like it, it relates to being a parent. It relates to being a, a husband. It's the same thing. It's like I work really hard to make my wife happy, but it's like, but she's not. So what you're doing is not working, man. Your kid, I, I work really hard to be a good dad. It's like, yeah, but you work so hard to make money for your kids, but then you weren't there as a father, so you actually weren't a good dad because you. You were putting in a lot of effort, but you were not producing the result. So, so the, the, the smart person, the successful person looks at what they're doing and the result that it's producing and says, is my effort producing the result I want? And is it producing it in the way that it needs to be produced for me to have the other aspects? Because it's not just all about putting in work. It's just, you know, you've got to enjoy some of it too. So like to, to link it back to other parts of, of your show, uh, I think that it's, you, you can see it in people being parents, friends, um, spouse, uh, it's, it's, it's how you think about your, your, your efforts and the reward. Is it a one-to-one ratio? Or is it a one-to-a-hundred? I would rather be one-to-a-hundred and learn skills to get me there than to be one-to-one and have no skills. Is that, that's awesome, man. I actually have a ladder of value. I have it here in my mirror. I have a mirror in front of me and I have it here. So like the first, there's four levels, right? The first level that you were talking about is implementators. So the, the people that implement the stuff. The second level is unificators and managers. The third level is the communicators, right? The ones who are coaching the unificators and the manage to manage the people, right? And then at the top are the thinkers. So in a hotel, the implementators are the ones who like work really hard, you know, do like cleaning the the, the restrooms and everything. Uh, and they're the ones who are getting paid the least, right? Then there's the managers and the impl- and the the community, the unificators, the ones who unify a group of people to so that they can go and cook, go and clean, go and you know, like clean the pool and everything. And they manage those people. And then there's the, 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 the communicator, the ones who communicates, uh, like what is the result that we're looking for? And then there's the thinker, the one who's like managing multiple hotels at the same time. 
and he's the one that gets mm. paid the most, but does the least amount of work, right? So yeah, yeah. I actually have it here. And like I, I always want to make sure that I'm reminding myself that I don't want to be an implementer, right? Because I've actually I've, I've been stuck wanting to do it myself, right? Like wanting to do everything myself because I think that I'm really good and, and no nobody else can do it, and I'm the only one that can do it. But the reality is that no, like probably anyone can do it and everybody thinks that they're the only one that can do it that's what holds everyone back in their businesses is that they're the only one that can do it and and when we accept that actually we're not a unicorn and that probably 50 million people can do it you stop being fancy about it that's not to say don't do it that's just to say that you're doing it right now because it makes financial sense to do it until it doesn't make financial sense to do it anymore and then you have to have somebody else to get to the next level um but uh yeah 100 cool so you do it until it makes financial sense not to do it. So uh, there's, there's four skills. I call them the gentleman success skills, right? I mean, I didn't invent those skills. I just call them like that, right? So it's sales and marketing, recruiting. You recruit people to do work for you. Leadership, or you have to lead them. And productivity, right? Being able to like manage yourself and ultimately self-mastery. So what I say is that you have to sell yourself out of doing everything. What do you think about mm. that? Well, I'll give you a really good example because I talk a lot about time management. Everyone says, I don't have any time to do this. And it's like, bullshit, you do have time. You're just not allocating your time. Bezos just flew a suggested, you know, suggestible shaped uh, rocket uh, into the sky. And, you know, you're watching Netflix, bro. It's like, he's got the same amount of time as you. Why is he producing more? Did his daddy give him a rocket? People will say, oh, his dad gave him this. It's like, bullshit. There are kids who get millions and don't do anything. It's not the resources you have, it's the resourcefulness that you have, as Tony Robbins would say. So in terms of time, like cleaning your house makes sense if you earn less than $20 an hour. For us to hire a cleaner is like 20, 25 bucks an hour, right? So it's, uh, you know, if you, if you earn less than that, uh, clean your house. If you earn more than that, don't clean your house. Like it's just math. If I make $100 an hour, and I'm cleaning my house for two hours, that cost me 200 bucks. If I had paid somebody, that would have cost me 50 bucks, which means that I overpaid by like 3X or 4X to clean my house. If I had it, would I pay someone else $100 an hour to clean my house? Hell no, right? So why am I doing it? Because I think that it's free. Because I don't understand that, that the, the resource I can't get back is time. Now, you might not have cash. Uh, sorry, you might, you, you might not have the space to do that. And maybe it still makes sense, even though you're worth a hundred dollars an hour because you don't have enough clients to justify that. But assuming you have an, a copious amount of clients and you could choose to clean your house or see clients, then choosing to clean your house is dumb in a business sense, because if you had chosen to see clients, you would have made more money. Now, if you don't have enough clients and you're just like, I'm worth a thousand dollars an hour. It's like, yeah, you're worth a thousand dollars an hour for the one client you have, but then 39 40 hours rest of the work week you're not actually doing anything i would say bro just clean your house and then spend that 50 bucks on marketing to go and get more of those clients so it's 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 all it's all math and and you have to to get to the next level you've got to bring in people who can do stuff or systems that can do stuff if you can't afford uh, a software to make your life easier you got to do it yourself. Then when you can afford to do it, you say, does it make sense to do it? Because just because you can afford something doesn't mean you should have it. I can afford uh, uh, you know, a yacht. Doesn't mean I should have a yacht, right? If I can afford a shift, doesn't mean I should have a shift because maybe it doesn't make 
business sense to do that. But the moment it does, you have to, otherwise you're costing yourself money. So I liken this to, to anything, man. If I want to go faster, you, 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 you get better systems, you get better software, you get better mentorship, you upgrade yourself, you figure out what it takes to get there. If, if you're not making enough sales, spend more money on marketing to get more leads, to get more sales. If, if you're stuck in your business, spend money on getting mentorship to get your, your game up so you can perform at a higher level. And it's the same principle as like, you know, you're spending two hours on Netflix um, and two hours cleaning your house. Which one should you give up first? Netflix. What's the next one you should give up? Cleaning your house. Uh, because it makes economic sense when you make more than that. But I hope I, answer, I hope I answered your question, but I think you get my point. Yeah. And um, just for the audience, right? One easy way to do this is determine how much money you want to make. Let's say it's 1 million bucks, right? You put 1 million bucks into your calculator and you divide that by 2,000 because that's the average amount of time that you're going to end up working in, in a year. Divide that by 2,000 and um, 500 bucks per hour. That's how much, that's how much the activities that you're doing should, should, uh, should be worth, right? So if you're doing something, I don't know, like scrolling through social media or whatever, so ask yourself, would you pay $500 to someone to do that? And if the answer is no, then why are you doing it? Right? And that's an easy way to do, like, to like um, summarize the, 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 the thing that you just talked about. It's an easy way to do that, which it's awesome. Man. It's all about leverage and stuff. And uh, so talking about le leverage, right? So when you have your business, when you, have, when you had your baby, I mean, um, you know, like someone, something shifted in you, right? Something shifted in you which like made you more effective. It made you more efficient. It made you more powerful, right? So right now that we're talking about your grandma and stuff, right? She, she would probably be the, the kind of person that, oh, now you had a family. So now you need to uh, hold yourself back, play it safe. And, you know, yeah, I was told, normal, don't, right? get too, don't, don't get too successful, James. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And she's like, well, you know, it could all go away. And I'm like, sure but if i was broke it all still could all go away but i would have had more fun in the meantime like i don't understand like if i have a if I have a million dollars and then i lose it if i had no money at least i got to enjoy that million dollars for a couple of years like like that makes no sense grandma what are you talking about because i was buying property at the time so like, oh james be careful and i'm like that that for me again fear risk uh you know failure do you think warren buffett worries that much about stuff he could potentially lose billions if the economy shifts and people are worried about losing a thousand bucks but then they went and bought dogecoin because they, they wanted to get rich quick it's like understanding understanding risk is so important it's super relative when you don't know enough everything looks scary driving a car looks crazy to a kid to you and i we're like eh, i'm just, just driving a car man like it's not that not that scary uh, Understanding risk is, is, is important too because people are scared of flying uh, because they think they're going to die. But driving to the airport is the most dangerous part of that whole journey. People die every day in cars, but one plane crashes and everybody freaks out. It's like getting eaten by a shark. People think they're going to get eaten by a shark at the beach. It's like you, you are more likely to have like a coconut hit you on the head when you live in like <laughs> I don't know where some place that doesn't have coconuts, you know, and then you are to be eaten by a shark. And so I, I don't know the words, but like relative risk or risk assessment, it comes down to, to naivety and, and, and ignorance. And I think that um, when I had a kid, it's like, now nah, you got to go harder, man. Like, what are you going to do? Stay, staying where you are and, and conserving is never going to move you forward. Saving money will never make you rich. 
because for every bit of money that you save, inflation is going to eat it up. And that means that everything's going to cost more. Your money is also going to be worth less. And so you're never going to get ahead. The only way to, to, to get ahead is to invest. You've got a finite amount of time. Uh, you don't have much money. And now you've got a kid you got to look after. You don't take dumb risks. Don't, buy and, don't go and buy cryptocurrency and try and get rich, but go and invest in yourself once you've paid the bills that matter. If you've got time to spend, go to the library and read books until you get some skills that you can then go and use for somebody. You've got a little bit of cash, go and spend that cash on programs to go and learn some stuff. Even if you buy a program that's shit, uh, you learned from that experience. It can't all be bad. And if it is, well, you learned how to make a better decision on who to invest with. Like at the end of the day, everything, every dollar that you spend is about shortening the time it takes to get success. Um, because money will, money is designed to shorten like time, right? If I'm paying someone to clean my house, there's a risk that they might not do it as well as me. And, I, and But I got my house cleaned pretty well and I saved myself two hours. What can I do with those two hours? So when I look at my kid, um, for me, it was, it's this idea of you, you think you have time or you think you're busy. I'll rephrase it. You think you're busy and you've got all this stuff going on in your life. Then you have a kid and you go, what the hell was I thinking that I was busy, right? I've got no time now. Like I'm proper busy. And then you have a second kid because I've got two now. And you go, man, how was I even thinking that I was busy when I had one kid? And it's just, it, it, you start to realize that you, you just got to be more productive. Otherwise, nothing's going to work out. And unless you're just like an asshole father who's going to leave or like not do well for your kids, you've got this perpetual drive to go, well, I got to feed my babies. I've got to give them more. I grew up poor uh, and I'm not going to let that happen to my kids. You know, um, alcohol was a problem in our family. I'm not going to let that happen because I'm not going to let myself get to this point or this or what, like you've got a choice when you have a kid. Are you going to, are you going to change and, and, and be, uh, you know, be their, be their superhero and, and their, and their mantle, the person they look up to, are you going to be better? Or are you just going to be uh, the same sad ass as whatever your life was and perpetuate the problem? We all have a choice. We've all got an opportunity to perpetuate the cycle. And that cycle could just be of, of mediocrity. Like maybe listening to this, you know, you're middle-class, you're doing pretty well. Family's been great. Mom and dad are great. And that's fine. Do you want to perpetuate that though? That's the question you want to ask. Do you want to perpetuate being fine and being okay? And if you do, amazing. But if you want to do more, if you want to be more of a leader, you've got to, to make some different moves. And so for me, I saw it and I went, I, want to, I don't want to work these stupid hours. I want to travel. I want to give... Oh, my internet's back. I want to have... I want to have give my kid the chance to have better experiences and to learn more. And I, and I realized how important connections were and experiences were to help them. And, 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 you know, like if you've never left your tiny rural town, you don't really read many books. You don't, you never travel. You don't know much stuff. You don't know what you don't know. Uh, I want my kid to have had a lot of experiences so that he can choose to live in that small town and live a quiet life or go to the big city or study or not because he's had options. And so I wanted to create that opportunity. So I said to myself, I'm not going to perpetuate the old way of doing things, which is my current family uh, style, and I'm going to give them more. And so I have to go and do more. So how am I going to do more? Because i got less time. I've got a kid. And you just become more productive, man. Like you make a choice. 
You know, it's like it's, you're stuck on, a, stuck on an island and you see social media posts like this, right? You're stuck on an island and you build the wood and you take the wood and you cut it down and you make yourself a nice fire and then you build a help sign and then you just sit there and go, come on, somebody's going to help me. Or you go, I don't know if I can swear, sorry. You're going to say, fuck it. I'm going to build a raft and I'm going to get off this, right? And you got a choice. And some people sit, some people take a risk. And they go, oh, well, I'm not going to have a help sign. And, they, and people are going to look at you and go, you're crazy. You took that wood and you built a boat. How is anybody going to see that we're here? Because you didn't use it to build a help sign. And I'm taking the risk saying, is it really a risk? Because the risk is that no one's going to see that sign. And you're going to die here. The risk that I'm taking is that I'm going to go and create a future. Worst case scenario, I fall off my boat and I swim back to shore and I build a sign. Like if that's always an option, there is no risk because the risk for me is staying the same place is far scarier and creating, a, creating no future for my son is far scarier. Anyway. And so what do you say to a married entrepreneur with kids, to a husband, a father trying to make it work in business who has fear, fear of failure, fear of letting his family down, fear of not being able to make it work, right? Um, yeah, easy, man. Like, All of, the, all of the fears that you might have are real. Okay, that's the first thing. Is go, they're, they're real. You know, maybe if I, this doesn't work out, you know, we're going to struggle for a bit. But the end of the day, there, there, there's fear on both sides and there's risk on both sides. And you have to just choose which one you're comfortable with. Are you comfortable with mediocrity? Because if you are, then you'll stay there. If you're not, then you won't. Like fundamentally, that's what it comes down to. What's the worst case scenario? It doesn't work out. Go get a job and move somewhere where it's cheaper to live. Like I, I get this all the time. Like house prices in New Zealand are, are a lot, especially in, in Auckland where I live. They're very expensive and people get upset at that. And I'm like, well, then stop trying to buy a house in that area, man. Go buy a house somewhere else where it's cheaper and then, you know, collect some equity and then buy another one and, that, and then just climb the ladder, man. Like, Do you get upset that you can't buy in the Hollywood Hills because you used to be able to buy it cheap and now you can't? You, yeah. you, know, you, don't, you don't cry that you can't buy a mansion in the Hollywood Hills even though 30 years ago it was cheap. You just buy it somewhere else. So for me, and this sounds super privileged or whatever, it's not because contextually I had, I had nothing and I created stuff. The, the difference is, are you comfortable settling where you are? Or is that scary to you? Now, if, if you are scared of staying where you are, then the fear of staying where you are and the risk in your mind of staying where you are will be worse than the risk of doing something. That's what creates movement. If pain in your current situation is less than potential pain in the future, you will move in that direction. If pain in the future is more than the current pain, then you will stay where you are. So if you, if, if you can understand that, And you realize that actually, objectively, the pain is the same or less or whatever, but you want to you create it, then create more pain staying where you are than pain of changing, and you'll change. The reason why people, a touchy subject, but the reason why people struggle to, to lose weight or build muscle or get fit is because the pain of exercising and not eating Doritos And eating bigger. salad is bigger than the pain of getting jacked, you know, or what it like, sorry, the, the pain of staying where you are. So if you want to change it, 
make the pain of eating Doritos worse than the pain of going to the gym and you'll go to the gym. Like if every time you ate Doritos, I cut off one of your fingers, you probably start going to the gym after you've lost one finger. It'd be pretty quick. You know, you just got to create the emotional reality. So for me, as, a, as an entrepreneur, risk is everything. But guess what? And my wife said this to me, she, you know, she said, James, what happens if it doesn't work out? And I'm like, baby, I'll just go and be a sales rep for somebody else's program and crash. Because if I can sell $3 million of my own product, I can sell the shit out of anybody else's pro product when I don't have any risk because it's just me selling their thing. I don't even have to deliver it. Um, and she's like, oh, okay. And I said, and, and baby, if even that doesn't work out, I'll go get a job at a bank and make six figures within three years because I was successful as an entrepreneur. And if that doesn't work out, I'll just go work somewhere. And like at the end of the day, like there's so many layers to this game and I think people get scared of it. And Gary Vee said it recently in a social media post. He said, somebody said, you know, my, my, my side hustle is making me the same or more money than my job. When is the time to quit my job? And all that person was looking for was validation. And Gary Vee says, well, well, now is the time to quit. And he's like, what's the worst that's going to happen? It fails. And then you just go and get another job. And, and hmm. if people talk about how it's hard to get a job, it's like, it's, it's, I don't know, you know, maybe where you are, it could be, but arguably it, it's, it's actually not because there's so many people that, that I work with that are always trying to hire people and they can't. So this idea that certain jobs, are, it's hard to get jobs, maybe in certain things in certain places, then move, man. Like there's no jobs where you are, move. Like you just got to think about things different. You know what I mean? I think we, we create our own limitations and the, the, the freedom that I got was realizing that I can create my own future by just changing my perspective on where I currently am. If things are expensive where I am, move. I got a friend who lives in Bali, lives it up in these amazing, you know, bungalow homes. And it's cheap as because no one's in Bali right now. Bali's cheap anyway, but no one's there because of COVID. And he's there having these like crazy restaurant experiences. Nobody there, his whole family rocking it by the pool. It's like, just, just move and change. But again, what's the pain? The pain of doing that stuff is more than the pain of staying where you are than you'll stay where you are. Yeah. Then attach pleasure to doing the action steps that are going to take you to your desired future, right? Mm -hmm. So, man, I know that you um you have a pretty tight schedule and you have to go right now in a couple of minutes. So, I want to I want to uh, I I end up this 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 interviews this podcast by asking five questions. So, can I go ahead and ask you the first one? Yeah, man, jump in. So the first one is if you could travel back in time to give your 18 year old self some advice. What would you say? Um, I would say that uh, the, the first thing I would probably say is uh, uh, it's going to be all good and you just have to ride it out. Like there, there is, there is uh, treasure on the other side um, and that you have to go through this to get to where you want to be. Hindsight's great. Um, you know, would I change my upbringing? Would I change my experiences? No, because if I did, I wouldn't be who I am. Had I had a choice to go through it in the moment, not knowing what life would be like on the other side, would I wish this on my own children? No, of course I wouldn't because the post, like, it doesn't mean that I'm going to end up where I am. But having ended up where I am, I would say to myself, you've got to go through it, bro. And I probably wouldn't change that much. This is the, the trip of like going back in time type conversations is the trip of it. It's like everything has compiled to be where you are positively or negatively. What would I give advice to somebody in, who is similar to me at that same time? 
I would say go and connect with more people who know more stuff than you and go and learn more shit. Like don't probably don't go to university and probably go and deal with somebody who, who's really successful in property or something like that. And just trust that things take time and that you're 18 years old and that fuck that's 12 years before you're 30 and, and you're going to be 30 and be like, I got two kids and I'm super young. Like, I don't know how young you are. You, you look younger than I am. Um, um, but how old are you? 20, man. 20. Shit. Yeah. So I'm 30 and I feel I'm like doing exactly. I'm taking your advice right now. I'm doing exactly what you're saying, what you're telling me to do. Dude, I, I feel as young. You're going to wake up at 30 and be like, man, I'm so young right now. I was talking to somebody who was 20 and I was like, yeah, man, like, and I, I used like an example of like us. And I'm like, what am I talking about? I'm like two, I'm 30 years old. I got two kids. I run businesses. We're not the same, but I laugh because in my head, I, I am the same. I just had more experiences. So yeah, it's like 12 years. You can wake up 12 years and you have just done nothing. And then you'll be 30 and you'll be young and you can start again. So just go nuts. Man, I've been helping married entrepreneurs with kids uh, to grow their businesses without sacrificing their time, health, and family relationships. And for the longest time, I've been tr wanting to to um to start this podcast. You want to know what was holding me back? What? My thinking. That's it. Yeah, man. It's the only thing that holds all of us back. There isn't actually yeah. any ceilings or it, it, if you think to yourself, "I'm this," it can't work because of this. I'm, you know, like you might have thought, "I'm I'm Mexican. I can't do this." this is a white person's game or this is a rich person's game or this is a whatever game like whatever story you have is probably been given to you by somebody else first of all and that probably was given to them by somebody else before them and so whatever excuse you think you have there is somebody who's crushing it no matter how many legs or arms you've got color of your skin creed there's somebody right people talk about all the terrible things that happen to their lives tony robbins and oprah winfrey next you know i'm a woman oprah right i've got no arms and legs What's that dude? He's who? He, uh, yeah, at, I know. It's like dude's crushing it. He's got no arms and legs, and this dude's doing better than you. So what's your excuse? It's like your head's your excuse. You know, it's crazy. And, and it's and it, it's been so easy to get like super successful people like you into my podcast that like sometimes I get this urge to self sabotage myself because it's been so easy. Like I I record a video, I send them the video just like I did to you, and they say yes. They jump on a call to get to know me, and I tell them my story, and they're like, yeah, let's do it. And it's so easy. That like I, I almost don't want to accept it. It's crazy, I, I, right? My, my my advice is to not even be thinking about it, because the moment you try and look and understand it, you'll 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 understand it from your current frame of reference, and your current frame of reference can never understand it. Uh, only your future self can, right? Like uh, if you if you're an elite athlete trying to understand why you're so good, you're going to get in your own head and get out of the way. The, the the overthinking athletes are the ones that struggle at they they choke why do they choke because they're overthinking why are they overthinking because they're trying to understand you, you've got to have this unconscious competence that's how you win championship shots kobe hits the shot right on the buzzer and wins it that's because of unconscious competence so when things are working you don't think about it you don't assess you just keep going because you don't need to know how it's working you just need to know that it is i don't know how my phone works but I use it to make money. You know, if I'm going to stop myself from making money, because I got to understand how the phone works, I'm probably going to spend too much time figuring out the phone and not making any money. So that's an obvious example, but it's the same thing. And like, how am I getting guests? How am I, how am I, don't even think about it, man. Just keep going. That's my advice. Cool. You get, yeah, you get man. in your own head. The second, the second one, um, what is one mindset shift or breakthrough that you've made that you can share with us? that has made you level up your life, your marriage, and your business? 
um, taking radical responsibility for all things. So if things are good, it's my fault because I did some stuff that worked. If things are not good, it's my fault because I did some stuff that didn't work or I didn't do some stuff that would have worked. And I think that that complete ownership of my experience of my life, I'm not saying take, you know, I'm not victim blaming here and, you know, bad shit happens, but your ability to adapt to it, because it's all, again, whatever you think is bad in your life and you're using it as an excuse, there's somebody who's had it worse and has done better. There were people who locked up in, you know, in, in killing camps in World War II, right? And the stories that you read of these people of how they survived when others perished and, and we suffer because, you know, I don't have this little advantage that my neighbor has. It's like, this dude was in a concentration camp. He survived. What are you bitching about? And it's like understanding that shit happens, but you're like, the, the better way of saying it is pain happens, but suffering's optional, right? Nick, I can't say his last name, Santa, Santa something, Santa Nossi, whatever. Nick was born with no legs and one arm with a finger. And he's jacked. That's it, right? Suffering, he was born with pain. He can't run, but he can do his, he can do his wiggle run. He can't run a sprint race. Oh, he can't wear shoes. Oh, life sucks. Or he pivots and changes the, the, the narrative. And so his, his, his suffering is optional. He did suffer and now he doesn't suffer because he changes headspace. So he took radical responsibility for his suffering, not his pain. You can't change that, but you can change your suffering. Um, you know, your wife dies in a car accident. That's terrible, you know, but what are you going to do with that? Are you going to be a loser father, gets drunk all the time? And then is not a mentor to your kids. You're going to step up and show your kids how you can be anything despite what happens. Like it's just all choices, man. And and I and I definitely took choices that took me away from alcoholism and away from just paranoid anxiety and depression and things like that. And I made different choices because I, I wanted a different outcome. And I knew that I was the only one that could could make those changes. So for me, yeah, radical responsibility for your for your suffering and 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 for your achievement, I think is the biggest thing for me. Okay, man. And thank you very much. That's taking responsibility is definitely something that can really, like if people really take it into consideration and really apply it, could make a huge difference, right? Um, so the last one, what do you think is one, like one of the most important habits that you have? Just one, the most mm. important habit that you have that has contributed greatly to your success. Um, I would say... I'm going to sneak two things in. Two things, get up earlier. If you get up two hours a day earlier, that's 14 hours a week. That's two, basically two work days extra a week, which is a copious amount per year. You get like a week extra per year or something compared to everybody else. If you had an extra week, well, what more could you achieve? Heaps, because I got up two hours earlier. Um, the second thing would be scheduling. So don't sit down and go, great, what am I going to do today? I've already planned tomorrow and it's, and more importantly, it's scheduled tomorrow. So when I look at my calendar, it looks ridiculously busy. When in actual fact, I'm less busy because stuff is planned. So on Friday, from this time to this time, I'm working on this thing. And then this time to this time, I'm working on this thing. By doing that allows me to actually have space in my head and not have to think about stuff. So it's like, I'm achieving these two things today and I schedule it, and then it's done. And if I get it done in the first hour of the day, I can go and watch Netflix because my, my day was successful. But being an overachiever, I then go and do the next day's stuff today. But the point being that I'm, I'm scheduling and I'm not overestimating 
how much I can get done. I'm just being super generous to myself, realizing that success happens over time, not in one day. Cool. I said like three things. Awesome, man. Well, man, I don't know about everyone who's going to listen to this, but I loved everything that you said. And I would definitely uh, want more of you, right? Want more of your content, want more of what you're all about, especially if I, I am a healthcare practitioner, right? So I have your links here. I have your links to the results page, which is insane. You have like hundreds and hundreds of health practitioners who have gotten amazing results from your services. So I have your Instagram, your YouTube, but what is the one place that, I don't know, maybe you, you want to you let people know about or you, know, you want to tell them to go and find you? Um, if you're interested in, in, in listening to, to people who are successful and, and inspiring and, uh, and want to level up your game uh, alongside me, if you check out my podcast, if you just search my name, uh, James Nielsen Watt, uh, you'll find my podcast. It's the James Nielsen Watt Show. Um, I interview interesting, inspiring people. I've got um, Dave Woodward, the new CEO of ClickFunnels, coming on uh, in a couple of weeks. I had Kerwin Ray, Kerwin Ray recently, Neil Patel, uh, David Meltzer from um, uh, Jerry Maguire. Movie was based on his life. People like that, that, that caliber where you can, you can see what they've done and you can just learn from them. I think that anybody can learn from their own mistakes, right? Don't put your hand in the oven. It's going to hurt. Like you do it and then you go, that sucked. I'm not going to do that again. The smart person learns from other people's mistakes. Hey, bro, don't put your hand in the oven. Why? Because it burns. Okay. Then you don't have to get burned and you can just learn. So for me, I'm wanting to learn from people who are doing way better than me. And that show is all about that. And so if you want to be, you know, watching that and listening to it and learning as well, come along and check it out. Cool. Uh, just a question for me. Do you interview gentlemen? <laughs> yes. Yes, I do. I would say that most of them, most of them are. I, I, I like to bring on people who are... Uh, 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 wildly successful in more than one aspect and look at breaking down their success more than just, hey, I have made a million bucks, but I'm actually an asshole. You know, I, I'm, uh, I'm wanting to, I'm wanting to do that. So uh, we, we should chat. We should chat. Awesome, man. Cause I mean, financially it's, it's all about time, right? And in the journey, I'm really early in my journey and like, I just have amazing self-mastery physically. I'm like, you know, to in another level and I'm a pretty good husband and father at 20 years of, years of age, man. So yeah, I would love to, to see if I could provide some value to your audience and it would be awesome, man. So uh, I'm going to let you go, man. Thank you very much for being here. really appreciate you um, being here uh, on the Gentleman Success, Happiness and Fulfillment podcast. And uh, yeah, man, thank you very much. I appreciate it. I hope everyone got some value and um, could understand my accent. Take care. Yeah. Thank you, man. <laughs>